Well, I finished one of my summer chores yesterday. My summer chores was to stain the decks. You know, we have a back deck and a front deck. And I rediscovered something about myself this summer as I've been staining the decks. You know, I, I really don't mind painting or staining. I just hate the preparation. Y you know, I mean, I did at least slow down enough to pressure wash the back deck because there really wasn't any way I could avoid it. But, you know, really, I, I don't mind painting, but I hate the preparation work. Forget the tape. You know, just, you know, we, our hallway used to have all stained wood around our doors. And it was really kind of dark, so we decided we'd paint them. I decided we'd paint them. I didn't fill in the nail heads. You know, they don't look near as good with paint with the nail heads as it did with stain. You know, it just doesn't, I don't like the preparation work. You know, and I think that reminded me of something. You know, many of us, we love some of the concepts of God filling us, but we don't really like that much the preparation work that's necessary in order for us to be truly filled by God. You know, we're going to be going into a season. You know, it, you know one, one of our favorite passages in the Bible is Psalm 23, right? I mean, for many of you, that's probably one of the first passages of Scripture you ever heard at a funeral or someplace where you went, whatever. Great words of comfort. And one of the verses in it says, you know, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. He anoints my head with oil and, and my cup overflows. And we're, boy, so why isn't my cup overflowing? We'd love for our cups, to, you know, the, the, the containers of our spiritual lives to just be overflowing with the presence of God. And yet, for many of us, our lives look a lot more like that. You know, God's pouring into us but it's leaking out all over the place. And guess what? Fixing the holes in the bucket, that's preparation work. Right? We'd rather enjoy the overflow of the cup. We don't, we, we, we'd rather paint than prepare. And for me, this has is, is, is really begun to, to weigh on my heart, if you will, as I anticipate some of the things that God's going to be saying to us over the next couple of weeks, uh, the next couple of months, you know, we're, there, there's a sense growing among our leadership and among our staff that, that God is just kind of preparing us for some new movement forward as a congregation. And we really anticipate that God's going to be speaking to us. And we need to be prepared. You know, in a sense, you know, we're going to be spending some time in September talking about what does it look like when we're truly compelled by the love of Christ. You know, the, for the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of 2 Corinthians, he said, you know, for the love of Christ compels us. Many of us say, well, I don't really feel compelled by Christ to do very much at all. It's because what God's pouring onto us, into us in Christ is leaking out all over the place. Then we're going to be looking at what does it really mean to live the greater life? You know, it's amazing. One of the most remarkable passages of Scripture is in John chapter 14, verse 12, where Jesus said, you know what? If you believe in me, the works that I do, you will also do, and greater works than these shall I do? How many of you have resurrected somebody lately? You know, I mean, so what, what does that mean? What, what kind of greater works? What is this greater life that God's calling us to? And yet, in the midst of all of this, God is trying to going to be pouring himself into us, but if we're just letting it leak out all over the place, our cup is never going to overflow. So I want us to spend some time today looking at a passage of Scripture that I think gives us some insights about what to do with leakage. How do we put a cork in it? How do we put an end 
to the love loss that flows out of our lives. And I'd love for you to turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. The book of Revelation is the very last book in the New Testament, very last book in the Bible. If you're using one of our pew Bibles, you're going to find our text today on page 1040. Just think about the Form 1040 you fill out every, every uh, tax year. And I want to look at the first letter today to the church at Ephesus. We, we know about this church. We just studied it in Acts chapter 19 and 20 as Paul planted it and then returned and spoke to the Ephesian elders on his way back to Jerusalem. And I want to remind us that this book of Revelation was written under the inspiration of God by the hand of the Apostle John. He was on the island of Patmos, a small island. He was basically in exile, small island off in the Mediterranean south of the area of Turkey. He knew each of these churches, these seven churches that he wrote to in chapters 2 and 3. He had a burden for them. And as God gave him a word, he shared a message with them. The, church, the churches are actually ordered in the exact order that they would have received the message. Because uh, any messenger would have arrived in Ephesus, and then as he followed the road around to these cities, he would have gone from Ephesus to Smyrna to Pergamum to Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. He would have followed that order. So they're written in order. So as they're undoing the scroll, they're right in order. But, Paul, but John wrote to this church at Ephesus. And let me remind you again about the context of the city of Ephesus. It's a central city in the Roman world. It is the crossroads between east and west. All traffic, dignitaries, the commerce, everything, most of it flowed as it came from Rome and Athens and Corinth and came to Ephesus, went across the Roman province of Asia, down into Palestine and out to the east. And, and it was a major crossroads. It was a big city, quarter of a million to 500,000 people. You know, think about the population of the county of Worcester. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's about the right size for this city. No high-rises. There's no 25-foot story buildings. So this city is spread out. It's a thriving metropolis. It's dominated by a cult religion known as the, as the goddess Diana or Artemis. It's a fertility cult. They believed by engaging with temple prostitutes, they could somehow stir up the passions of the gods who would then engage in relations. And with that, the world, the land would become fertile again. And so it was, a, it was a dominant, it was a wicked place, but an important place. And here, he writes to them. Now, the imagery at the beginning is a little hard for us to get our hands on, so I'll make a couple of comments as we begin in, in verses 1 through 7. He says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write. Now, I've got to tell you, interpreting what it means to the angel of the church in Ephesus is a little difficult. I don't know if every church has an angel. I don't think so. The problems that are going to be listed out are actually the church's problems, not the angel's problem, right? So I think here that the church serves as an angel of God. We represent God, and we are the messengers of God. So he's writing to the church in Ephesus. It says, the one who holds the seven stars, and that's a reference to Jesus. The seven stars there, it's probably a reference to the leaders of the churches that God's appointed. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. That's a picture of the role of the church being the light of the world. And the Im whole imagery is that Christ is actively involved with his local church. It's not just kind of somehow to figure out, but he's walking among the local churches. He holds the leaders in their hands. You know, he's engaged in speaking 
Every local church is holy ground because Jesus is active. And this is what he says to them. He says, I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. You also possess endurance and have tolerated many things because of my name, and you have not grown weary. Sign me up. Great church, huh? I mean, this, this is a five-star church. I mean, it, 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 they're... they're their, their works are good, their labor's great, their endurance, their theology, their doctrine, you know, they're standing up and, uh, under suffering, they're doing everything. It's a great church. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Jesus said, you know what? I don't want just your habits. I want your heart. I want your heart. I don't want just your habits, I want your so you need to put an end to the love loss. So he says, remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I'll come to you and I'll remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet you do not have this. Yet you do have this. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Hard for us to know exactly. It was probably a group of people who, who basically had developed a theology that condoned sexual immorality in the life of the believers. He says, you know, he, then he goes on in verse 7. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. And I will give the victor the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, if there's, if there's ever a reason for us to listen to what God's saying to us and get it right in our lives, it ought to be that we get to eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Now, there's some things in here that really speak to me about this issue of love loss. There are things that fall on my life personally and things that fall on us corporately as we think about what God's going to be sharing with us in the, in the future. And I, I want to point out a few things to you from this text about leakage, about love loss that can happen in our lives. And, and the first thing I want you to see from this text is that you can be actively serving God and still fall out of love with him. You can be actively serving God, and you can fall out of love with him. He says, look, I know your works, your labor, your endurance. He said, you know, you, you got, you're in the midst of one of the darkest cities on the planet. You've already been the subject of a citywide riot because of your impact, and yet you stay and you serve. I know your works. I know your labor. And, and, and this word for labor here is some of your translation has the word toil. This is, this is back-breaking, muscle-exerting, sweat-dropping kind of labor. He's, he, you know, you've got, you got to working hard at this. But even as you're faithfully serving, you've fallen out of love with me. I don't want your habits. I want your heart. You see, this can happen to us. You know, there's some who have given up serving because it just didn't feel the same way anymore, right? Falling out of love with God. There's others who continue to serve, but it's, and instead of being a labor of love, it's now just a chore. Well, you know, somebody's going to teach the three-year-olds, and nobody else signed up, so I'll do it. 
God's up there. Yay! You know, come on. You know, and I, you know, I know I'm being somewhat facetious. But sometimes we just serve grumpily. I never got anything. But I get it. You know, you, know it, it, you, can, you can be actively serving and fall out of love with God. Jesus wants all your heart. I want you also to see that you can be, you can be faithful in the midst of real difficulty. You, you can faithfully suffer and fall out of love with God. Look at verse 3. It says, you also possess endurance, and you've tolerated many things because of my name, and even in the midst of all of that, you haven't grown weary. You know, sometimes we, we want to excuse ourselves. Well, you know, life's been hard. You know, it's been difficult. You know, i got a lot of problems right now. Work is hard. Home is hard. We've had loss and grief and money's tight. we got all these things. And, you know, and I, I, just, it, it's just, and I just don't feel it. You can be faithfully suffering in and for the name of Christ and still fall out of love with God. I also want you to see that you can be doctrinally spot on, and still fall out of love with God. Look, look what he says at the end of verse 2 and beginning in following through. He says, says, I recognize that you cannot tolerate evil. You've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. Paul had warned them that there's going to be false teachers who came in. You know, he says, you've had those who come in who call themselves and they're not, and you've found them to be liars. You've tested them. So, you know, we, we can be spot on doctrinally you know, we, we can be lined up on all the right issues related to sin and salvation and the church and, and, you know, all the issues that flow out of our faith related to our modern world and all this kind of stuff, you know. With, and, and, and we can be spot on and we can fall out of love with God. You know, I, I know a lot of people who hold the exact same convictions that I do about who Christ is and what he does, and yet they don't have any passion for God at all. Most of them don't even bother to connect with any other Christians or even to get involved with a local church. But I got the truth right. He says, yeah, I, I don't want just your beliefs. I want your heart. I want your heart. You know, and, and so there's a real warning to us. Because, hey, it's the last Sunday in August, right? Last Sunday before the kids go back to school and you guys are in church. We're, we're the dedicated ones, right? So certainly we must love God. Probably to an extent. God doesn't just want your habits. He wants your heart. That's why he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that's the least important of the commandments, right? He said, that's the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So what do you do about it? How is it that we take our bucket... And start sticking corks in it. How do we do the prep work for God to really fill us up with his presence? Well, I, I think he offers us some words here. Some guidance on how to go about plugging the holes in our spiritual buckets. And the first thing he says to do is remember, right? He says to remember. He says, remember what it was like at first and recognize how far you've fallen. He, he's saying, Take the tape, put it into the, into the VCR. You guys still have VCRs? 
take the DVD, put it into the Blu-ray player, right? And replay the tape. What does it look like? I told the first service, you know, when I was in college, I was dating Christina, and she was still living in Newton, finishing high school. And I, and I wrote her, just this is back before texting and email and everything, I wrote her tons of letters. She's got them all bundled up, you know, in some box somewhere, you know, so that my kids can read them someday and make fun of me, you know, and because I think the other one she threw away. <laughs> but you know what? I don't know if I've written. <laughs> did, it, did that actually come out verbally? Sorry about that. You know, and, um, but the other one, I don't know if I've written a letter to my wife in the last 25 years. We've been married for almost 30. You know, I, I can remember when I was, and I've told this story before a long, long time ago here at Oak Chapel. You know, when, when I think it was what it was like for me when I, when I was, when, when my heart was really captivated by God and captivated by what God could do in my life. You know, what, what, were, what were some of the things that happened from that? You know, and I, I, I can remember my, my daily morning routine as I got ready to go out, get up and go out to high school every day. I used to get up in the morning, take a shower. I'd come down to the kitchen. I'd get a bowl of cereal. And I'd go to the kitchen table, and I'd put down my bowl of cereal, I'd get my Bible, and I'd get a journal. And then I would get one of these over-your-head hair dryers. Do they still use those? You know, and, and it, little, no, no kidding, I kept it right there by the table. I'd set it on the table, I'd plug it in, I'd put it over my head, and I'd turn it on. And guess what? You couldn't hear anything underneath that thing. You know, if I have hearing loss, it's because of the hair dryer that I used when I was in high school. And I just would, it was like I could step into my own world. And it was just this wonder, uh, boy, am I glad they didn't have YouTube back then, right? You know, it would have been up and, and gone and, and gone viral, right? So, you know, and, but every single day I had an opportunity to just sit and to connect with God, connect with his word, write down what he was saying to me and see how the, it was progressing. It, it was marvelous. It was marvelous. You know, and, 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 and the kind of changes and commitments that were coming because, because I was in love with God. Just remember. Remember what it was like. And there may be some of us sitting here today that need to have enough integrity to say, you know what, I don't have anything to remember. I don't remember ever being in love with God like that. And that may be a clue to you that you need to think about God in new ways like you never have before. Really begin to consider what does it mean to be a follower of Christ, not just one who's interested in what Christ can do for us. We, we need to remember. In order to put a stop to leakage in our lives, we need to remember what it was like when our cup truly was overflowing. Then he says we need to repent. I'm going to show you a little video clip that I think is, is, just makes a great connection of what it means when you take repent and you connect it with the issue of putting a stop to love life. Man, some of you are old enough to remember Bob Newhart, you know? He used to do the Bob Newhart show and et cetera. He was a comedian and did some sitcoms. Well, this is a little comedic sketch he did where he's serving as a counselor and this woman who has a lot of self-invented issues has come to see him, okay? So we're going to roll this clip. 
I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, if, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. But I, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me... No, 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 no. No, we, we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say... We definitely don't go there. Just, <laughs> just stop it. You know, when it comes to the things in our lives that drain God's love out, just stop it. Just stop it. I mean, that's really what repentance means in that sense. Just stop it. You know, some of us, we, we, you know, we, we neglect the Word of God. And we wonder why the love of Christ is just pouring out of us in unproductive ways. And, and we've convinced ourselves, well, I'm not a reader, so I don't read the Bible. Stop it. Some of you are saying, you know, we're, we're talking about praying, you know, and, and staying connected with it. So, well, you know, I'm more of a doer. I'm not really. Just stop it. You know, well, you know, I'm a private person, and I don't really do well in relationships, so I'm not going to get involved in a life. Stop it! You know, and you can just keep going. Well, you know, financially, we're not really at the place we need to. Just stop it! You know, the, the whole idea, you know, of, you know, like, well, you know, I know church is important, et cetera, but my daughter's, you know, she's taking honors, you know, auto shop or something, and we got to rebuild a car on every Sunday, so we just can't be here. Just stop it. You know, we, we can come up with all kinds of reasons, right? Just stop it. You'll find good stuff as you remember to put in its place, but you just need to stop it. But what we want to do is just like what Catherine was doing. But, 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 but we got to talk about all, uh, just stop it. Just stop it and let God fill. Put a cork in it, <laughs> if you will, and stop the leak. You think I'm into that point or what? All right, there we go. Just one last step. He says, remember. He says, repent. And he says, do the works you did at first. Just do it. Just do it. Everybody understand that? Just do it. Let's say it together. Just do it. <laughs> you know, just love Christ. Just love Christ's church. Just love Christ's brothers and sisters. In case you don't know who that is, that's your fellow believers. Just love Christ's brothers and sisters. Just love Christ's mission. Love Christ's world. Just, just love Christ. Just do it. Just do it. 
You know, we, 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 we're so anxious for, to kind of have the spiritual life that, that you want to write home about. And yet, there's so much that God's pouring into us that's just running out of our lives that's not supposed to be. Because we're just letting it get robbed by habits and practices and convictions and lack of discipline and et cetera. We just, we just need to remember, stop it, and just do it. And if we do that, greater works than these shall we see him do. We'll get to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I haven't decided what I want to be on the tree of life yet. Apples or peaches or plums, but maybe it'll be a mixture of everything. But we get to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So I'm going to want to ask you to, to consider one or two things today. Some of you, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to think about your faith. You're hearing this about what does it really mean to be in love with God and passionate and shapes and orients everything about who you are and what you're doing. It's your number one priority. Say, hey, I've never had a moment like that. My life has never looked like that. I want you to stop and ask, do you really have a faith relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you, do you know God or do you just know about God? And get that right in your life. And you can talk to lots of folks. You can come talk to me. You can talk to any of our staff members, elders, deacons, somebody you know that you spiritually trust. Just talk to them. Work through it and get to a place where you know that I am in love with God the right way. For the, second, for the rest of us, I, I want to ask you just to make a commitment to do the work of preparation for what God's going to say to us. Just, just get ready for what God's going to say to us. Do, do what it takes. You know, every one of us probably right now very quickly say, you know, boy, my spiritual life would be better if I did this. Stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this. And we can just make a quick list. Make that list and then do it. Do it. Make the adjustments that's necessary. Identify what, what, what creates the leakages in your life. And then share it with somebody who's, who's a, a spiritual mentor or a supporter, encourager to you. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Maybe it's somebody in your life group. But, but get together and make the commitment and let's be different. Let's put a hole, let's put a cork in it so God can fill you up, God can fill us up. And with that, God can change our world. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray together. Father, as soon as we walk out these doors, there's going to be all kinds of pressures and, pressures and reasons and priorities and activities that are going to rob us of what we've heard today. God, honor your desire and your purpose to fill us as we respond to your word. And just stop it and do it. We pray it in Jesus' name.